Today on another Sports by Fry podcast, I'm going to dig into my Fantasy Friday, which uh, got up a little bit late, unfortunately, apologies, um, and I actually skipped one last weekend. Last weekend was my birthday, so my Sports by content uh, kind of took a back seat while I celebrated turning 26 years old. Uh, my hairline doesn't look 26, it makes me look 36, but I'm feeling alive and happy to uh, celebrate a birthday. Thank you for everyone for their birthday wishes. Um, so yeah, I'm going to dive into my Fantasy Friday. I did an article yesterday as well on every NBA team as they gear up uh, after taking the day off for Thanksgiving. A lot of teams, uh, especially out west, kind of surprising early on, and there's a lot of randomness going on in the NBA. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but of course, I need to touch on me Fantasy Friday stuff before a huge weekend of action unfolds. Welcome to the Sports by Fry podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. My name is Fry, and I am back today talking fantasy and a little bit of NBA news. There's a ton of randomness going on in the NBA that I want to address, but before I do that, let me unpack my Fantasy Friday article. Uh, like I said, it's been two weeks since my last check-in, which means a ton of things have happened. There's a lot of uh, fantasy football coaches who will be trying to lock in a playoff spot this weekend. I'll probably do a Fast Five, Fry's Fast Five uh, Instagram TV video Sunday morning just to talk about a few last-minute players you might want to stream or start based on breaking news uh, before kickoff. I want to talk a little bit about the AFL draft, but I'm probably going to save my big draft uh, analysis, I guess you could say, for Monday. I'm going to do another pod on Monday with the draft stuff and unpack week 12 in the NFL, but yeah, drafts uh, in the books, potential bunch of new cash cows in the uh, mix, which is nice to see. Uh, from the basketball perspective, there's 28 NBA teams who were in action last night, and there's been tons of injuries and relevant news uh, that's occurred since the last time I spoke, so let me dive right into the fantasy stuff. Uh, with the AFL draft in the books, there's a few of the 2019 cash cows that might pique our interest, but it's a bit impossible to tell this early. I know that obviously the higher the draft pick, the more expensive the player, but last year we saw someone like Andrew Brayshaw, who was the second overall pick, stay in most fantasy teams until the second half or maybe even the last few rounds of the year. So sometimes it might be worth spending up a little bit. So someone like Sam Walsh could be worth spending a little bit of extra coin, even though he was the number one overall pick uh, in the draft this year. Like I said, though, it's tough to really, right now, um, analyse which of the cash cows stand out. So I'll talk a little bit about them uh, more in the pre-season. There were a few um, previous AFL players who found new homes as well, which is always good to see. Uh, Tommy Bug, the former Demon from memory. I think he was at the Giants as well, actually. Might be wrong, sorry if I am. Um, And Hugh Goddard from the Saints. Not Brendan, Hugh. Uh, He managed to... Both of them managed to continue their career at Carlton. And I was surprised to see that Josh Smith from the Magpies actually got uh, delisted, but West Coast snapped him up, added another uh, potential uh, rebounding defender to their mix, so good job for them. There could be a few other rookies who stand up uh, throughout the preseason, so you'll have to keep your ear glued to the ground a bit there. Um, It wasn't all good news, though. Like I said, the aforementioned Brendan Goddard missed out on a roster spot, so I don't really know the legality behind how he can go about his next move. Like, if he, can he sign with a club and then maybe transition into a coaching role, uh, much like Sammy Mitchell did 
recently or maybe because he's... I, I don't know. I don't know if he can be signed under these new stupid rookie rules or whatever, but it seems like retirement's going to be the most likely outcome for BJ now, which is a bit of a shame that his career had to end like this, but... You know, someone who gets to play over 300 games doesn't usually get to bow out the way they want. So if this is it, thanks for all the memories and a great career, BJ. Uh, Zach Clark, the former Docker, and Shane Mumford are expected to join the Bombers and the Giants, respectively, via these new rookie rules. And a few other popular names like Nathan Freeman, uh, Jakey Mead, Billy Hartung, they all went untouched. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, once again, I think the new rules are that they have to have played a year outside of the AFL system for a club, or have not been on a list for a year to then be re-signed. So a lot of those guys I just mentioned, Freeman, Need, Hartung, I don't think they qualify. So they might have to accept a VFL or a waffle gig for a year and then maybe hope of a, uh, a rookie spot next year. Let me dive into some NFL stuff though, because like I said, the AFL is tough to predict this early in the preseason. Uh, we'll get a bit more information throughout the next few weeks. But the NFL stakes are almost as high as they can be. The playoffs are here for some leagues. Mine, we start this weekend because we don't play week 17, trying to rule out when all those players are rested, um, which kind of sucks because there's a bye week this week, and I didn't really think that through, but whatever. Sue me. Um, so, yeah, NFL news can be interesting to see how a few uh, teams take the route with their players. I know that Todd Gurley is... The, arguably the most explosive fantasy player, but last season he rested week 17, could do it again. So if you own Gurley or Kareem Hunt or one of those just superstar running backs, I'd look at just stashing the last spot on your bench as the handcuff. So for the Rams, you could add Malcolm Brown, the running back who's second in the depth chart. I think it's Malcolm Brown from memory, I hope it is. Um, so yeah, I know it might seem like a bit of a waste of a roster spot, but if you look like you're in a playoff hunt and you've got Todd Gurley, the last thing you'd want is for them to be rested week 17 and it cost you a championship. So it's at the point of the year now where you can throw away a bench position for that type of player. I think that's uh, an okay move. Let's talk about some few, do- some few dudes some few dudes that you could add this week. Uh, the first bloke I want to talk about is Lamar Jackson, who tore up the Bengals last week, who were giving up the most rushing yards of any team. Um, and as a result, Lamar Jackson used his legs to great effect and was able to get a pretty decent score on debut. Um, I don't think he'll be carrying the rock 26 times again like he did against Cincinnati, but he faces an Oakland defense this week that's given up the second most rushing yards. So if you've got Goff or Patrick Mahomes on a bye this week, then Lamar Jackson might be a good starting option, especially if Baltimore's defense can force a turnover, and then give uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens short field. So he could use some of those read play options to get into the end zone. That could happen. Uh, It seems like all signs point to a good week for Jackson. So I think I'm going to start him in one of my leagues that I've got Goff in. Uh, Next man up is Cameron Brait, the tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, He should see a boost in his production now that OJ Howard's gone down. But... I'm a little bit skeptic over skeptic. Skep, I have my skepticism. That one works over um, Tampa Bay's offense. So it could be a little bit of a flyer. But considering how shallow tight end is, and if you're desperate for a tight end, then Bright should get enough volume to see him worthy of a start. Um, I don't know. Not a great starting option, but definitely worth uh, stashing on your roster and seeing here unfolds. Even though Tampa is a 
tire fire and they're a bit all over the place. They've still been managing to put up some decent fantasy numbers. So I'd, I'd look to start break this week if I didn't have a better option at tight end. Um, I don't think. I know his production hasn't been great in the last few weeks, but that's because OJ Howard's been above him in the depth chart. So maybe worth waiting a week, but I think the sample size that I've seen in the past uh, gives me enough... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Pick up break. There you go. Um, so guys, you might want to look to drop. Uh, the questionable Raiders offense is enough of a reason to ditch Jordy Nelson, who's missed the last two contests, actually. But the fact that Oakland squares off against Baltimore, like I said this weekend, kind of makes dropping Nelson a no-brainer. He's owned in under 40% of leagues. Hasn't really done anything apart from that one enormous game against Miami, where I think he had like 160 or 170 yards or something stupid. So... Yeah, if I was you, I'd ditch Nelson. He's not worth it anymore. Maybe take a flyer on someone else out there who could potentially be um, some playoff, give you some playoff numbers. Uh, fellow veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick is once again on the wrong side of the revolving door that is their starting quarterback posse. So he's going to be benched for Jameis Winston this weekend. I think the Bucks are going up against the 49ers from memory. So that bodes well for Cam Brake, who I already talked about. But yeah, Fitz has been benched uh, five turnovers in the last two games. And I think from memory, he had a couple in the game before that as well. So a lot of people are dumping Fitzpatrick, and you can do that as well if you have him on your roster. A few guys you might want to just keep an eye on. I talked about how the Ravens dominated Cincinnati's uh, defense, but Jackson wasn't the only one who dominated and benefited from a lot of rushing yards. Gus Edwards and you can be forgiven if you don't know who Gus Edwards was. He was owned in literally 0.0% of fantasy teams before last weekend. And then after bursting onto the scene with 115 yards and a touchdown, he's now owned in nearly 50%. So recency bias will see a lot of people add Gus Edwards this week. Um, he could have another big score if Alex Collins misses. I think from memory, Collins is a bit of a game time decision as it stands right now. So watch this space. But Edwards is worth... Just stashing into your roster potentially if you've got a spot and you need a bit of running back depth because the Bucks, uh, sorry, not the Bucks, the Ravens don't really f square off against super defenses to close out the season. So if they can look into getting a playoff spot and winning a few games and then maybe they want to be wasting the clock later in games, they might be running the ball quite a lot, which should lead to a lot of scores for Gus Edwards. Um, and he might even work his way up into being a potential starter come playoff time. So. Worth stashing, keep an eye on him. Similar could be said for Theo Riddick. I talked about him and LeGarrette Blunt before their Thanksgiving game against the Bears D. Uh, with Kerryon Johnson out, I said maybe you should look to field one of them, but I'd probably sit both of them. From memory, they both had single... Well, actually, Riddick, I think, had a single-digit score, but LeGarrette Blunt scored two TDs, but had less than 20 rushing yards or something like that, so... If I was looking at those guys, I'd probably lean towards Riddick, especially in a PPR league over the touchdown dependent blunt. Riddick, from memory, caught seven passes against the Bears. And Kerryon Johnson hasn't really played a great role in the passing game. So if uh, Johnson misses more time, then Riddick could be a good starter moving forwards, especially in PPR, like I said. A few things worth knowing. Uh, the Chiefs and the Rams are the two teams on a bye this week. And even though... Streaming advice isn't really my forte. A few guys uh, you could look at if you don't want to target any of the ones I've already mentioned. Could be Kiki Kuti from the Texans, uh, owned in under a quarter of leagues. He might be worth a flyer. 
Josh Adams from the Eagles. He's owned in a few more teams. I think just under 65%. So the running back squaring up against the Giants should have a big score. Might not be able to snag him from the waivers, but if you can, stop listening and add him now. Um, and Vance McDonald, I tried to go in on him and say he was a great player before. I think I don't think it was on a, uh, a Fantasy Friday. I think it was on a different format or something else I was doing. And then he responded with that huge uh, 44 yards and a touchdown. So maybe... Oh, it was... Sorry. It was my fries for fast five. My first one. I remember now because it was before they played Carolina. Um, so yeah, he scored touchdowns in his last two games. He's owned in just over 50% of teams. So you could maybe try and snag him. But again, he, considering how shallow tight end is, he's probably not on your waivers. In the last week, the injury bug took a bite out of some pretty popular players and some of them really impact our fantasy teams. Uh, the aforementioned OJ Howard is done for the year. He's been sent to IR with some foot slash ankle ligament damage. I can't remember the full, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Depth of his injury or analysis of his injury, but I'm sure that it was ligaments uh, orientated. So he's out for the year. Cooper Cup tore his ACL for the Rams, which is a blow, but the biggest, well, actually, probably not the biggest from a fantasy perspective, but it really screws the Redskins, and it was a pretty ugly injury. No one ever wants to see someone go down like that, but their quarterback, Alex Smith, uh, fractured his lower leg and will obviously miss the rest of the season. So prayers up for Alex Smith. That was a pretty brutal injury, so quick recovery. Hopefully he can get back onto the field next year for the Redskins. I don't really know the timetable there, but... Yeah, all three of those guys can be dropped in all formats and placed on your waiver wire because their seasons are done. Some other mainstream starters who are under a bit of an injury cloud right now include Dougie Baldwin, uh, Rob Gronkowski, AJ Green, all bona fide surefire starters usually. Gronk's been a little bit all over the place this year. Wouldn't surprise me if we're watching the last year or two of Gronk, but from a fantasy perspective, uh, he offers a Pretty good upside when he's fit and going. Doesn't look like he's fit and going, so even if he is playing, I might look to lean somewhere else. However, like I've said a number of times, tight end is shallow, so you might be forced to play Gronk, uh, even if he's 50% of himself. AJ Green's an interesting one. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bengals rested him for another week, and then depending on how their uh, season is looking, whether they're going to be out on the outside looking in or if they can get a W over Cleveland and maybe they're in the playoff race uh, maybe they'll bring him back in but if I was a betting man I'd assume uh, Green would sit out this week alright this is taking way too long so I'm going to speed things up I'm going to start diving into NBA fantasy stuff so some guys you could look to add it's pretty thin at the moment actually I tried to do a bit of digging and I only found two guards who really tickled my fancy uh, the first one is Spencer Dinwiddie. Full disclosure, I am a little bit Dinwiddie biased because I had him last year and he single-handedly won me one of my matchups in the middle of the year when he, I think it was against Detroit, he had a really good game and in overtime scored like a 35 or something and hit some clutch baskets. There was that week or like two-week period last year when D'Angelo Russell was out where he went off. I know I said I'm trying to speed this up. I'm doing a terrible job going off topic. But yeah, Dinwiddie's my guy. Bit streaky in fantasy. Uh, so while he's hot, he's worth riding, but you got to be careful because uh, he can burn you if he starts uh, clanking shots and stinking it up and sees his minutes dip. But he's dished out at least seven dimes in his last five games, so looks like a solid starter right now. Uh, similarly with Evan Fournier, he's a bit 
streaky. He scored 27 against Toronto a few nights ago, and when he's firing on all cylinders, he looks great, but he's only managed to crack 20 points once in his other six games before that. So these guys, if you're in category leagues, I guess it depends on if you need some points and assists. Fournier obviously contributes in threes. Didn't really does a bit as well. So if you need help in those areas, you could look for them. Um, but yeah, invest with caution a little bit because those guys are a bit notoriously streaky. A couple of weeks ago, I pointed out that Bielitsa was a good ad and pointed out that it was a very short-term ad because we all knew it was a matter of time before his averages came back down to earth and it's happened. Um, with Marvin Bagley's development, obviously high priority for the Kings, it wouldn't surprise me if Bielitsa made his way back to the bench in the near future. So maybe you could axe him. Um, I would axe him. Maybe you're clinging onto a little bit of hope that he's going to produce and put some numbers up. I wouldn't. I think it's time for Bielitsa to go. The next dude, now this is a little bit controversial, um, and maybe it's me, controversial? <laughs> maybe it's uh, me being, uh, what's the word? Butthurt, because I own Jalen Brown, but sorry mate, at a certain point, the numbers just don't lie. He has not had a great start to the season. In his last week, he's averaging single digits, scoring-wise, uh, and he's shooting the ball terribly this season. Numbers are starting to decline ever so slightly. Uh, not a ton and nothing to really be super alarmed about, but honestly, I think it's time to ditch Jalen Brown. I fully expect him to be a great player in this league, and I think Boston's going to figure out their problems, and it's not a long-term issue. But right now, he's not getting it done from a fantasy perspective, and we can't afford to sit and hope that he refines his mojo. If he does, awesome. Pick him up off the waivers, but for now... It's nothing personal. I think it's business. It's time to just ditch Jalen Brown. Put him on the waivers. Hope he can turn it around. And if someone else snags him, so be it. There'll be other players who'll emerge as great fantasy players off the waiver wire as injuries and trades occur this year. So don't get too tied to Jalen Brown just because he is a bit of a name. His number's a house. Make the right decision. Let him go. All right. A few guys you might want to keep an eye on. Uh, the arrival of Tyson Chandler in LA has kind of eaten into JaVale McGee's numbers a little bit. McGee was looking pretty good to start the year. I remember he was leading the league in blocks after like two or three weeks, something preposterous like that. Uh, seen that go down a little bit since big T-cap Tyson Chandler has come into the fold. And McGee's minutes slightly continually decrease. Uh, so he's probably worth punting to the waivers unless you really need help in those blocks and maybe steals category. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, McGee doesn't offer a ton of upside. Someone who does offer a lot of upside is James Johnson, who has been a handy fantasy player in the past. He had a weird hernia injury that kept him out for most of the year to date, but he's got a pretty good ability to um, impact the... What's the word I'm looking for? The box score in a number of areas, so he can get points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes. He can do it all a little bit. So they're the type of players that I love to have on my fantasy team. James Johnson, owned in 52% of teams, hasn't really shown the numbers yet that he's going to fill up the stat sheet. But as he works his way up from injury, I think his production will only increase. So now is the time to uh, snap him up before someone else does. A few things worth knowing. Uh, no one can beat Father Time, and unfortunately it seems like Carmelo Anthony is the latest victim. Uh, Houston and Melo decided to part ways about well, over a week ago. Since I last spoke, I don't think I've talked about it. So 
Just want to quickly uh, point out that if you do have Mello on your fantasy team, you can drop him. He's no longer worth rostering, at least until he finds a new home. But there's no guarantee that he will find a new home. If I was a betting man, I'd assume that Mello could become a, a buyout candidate or maybe could be kind of like a Vince Carter for a team, like be that veteran. But I don't think he really wants to do either of those things. So I, it's very, very interesting to see uh, what will happen with Mello. I wish that he would just... Oh, it's tough because I, a lot of these superstar athletes have a lot of pride, but I kind of wish that he would just go to China and just become like China's most famous basketballer. Just dominate for another five, six years, score 25 a night, use your ISO scoring game to become a star in China, promote your global brand, and then walk off into the sunset five years from now, a bit richer, a bit happier. Didn't get your NBA championship, but... You know what? There's tons of superstars who miss out. So, yeah, there's my two cents on Mello. Um, sadly, the star of my previous Fantasy Friday from the... Um, let me do my quick math. I think it was the 9th of November. Um, I made Karis LeVert the big feature image. And four nights later, he suffered a gruesome, bad lower leg injury. Um, it looked a lot like Gordon Hayward's injury. And everyone kind of expected it to be season-ending and potentially full of like two seasons worth of injury. It looked really bad, but good news. It was only a dislocation, not a break. So they were able to realign uh, his ankle and there's just a lot of inflammation around the ligaments now. So Levert might actually appear again before the All-Star break. I picked him up and put him in our, uh, put him in my IR spot in one of my leagues. I know it's a little bit long to wait, but you could do that if he is on your waivers because, yeah, he will return this season. Probably looking at two months from now. So, yeah, ballpark two months from now. I think uh, by Australia Day, Levert will probably be back on the court. Another dude you might want to stash in that IR spot, if you have one, is Kevin Love. Um, he's broke that he's not going to be coming back until 2019. In other words, Cleveland is fully committed to tanking and Kevin Love is just being rested so that his trade value doesn't uh, go down. Let's be honest, it can't really go up if he plays. So I think it's a smart move by the Cavs just resting him. Wouldn't surprise me if they dealt him as soon as he became healthy, in quotation marks. Uh, another relevant dude, last one, was Rondo, who will miss just under a month with a fractured hand. Good news for Lonzo. Potentially good news for Josh Hart and Lance Stevenson as well. So maybe you can monitor those dudes, and if Rondo uh, continues to miss time in the next three weeks, they could be a good streaming option for a month or so. Cool, done and dusted. That is all I have to say from a fantasy perspective. Um, I'll do a little bit of a recap on Monday, talk about the NFL fantasy, and might even touch a bit on the basketball. But before I go, let me just quickly talk about the NBA. So out east... The standings are pretty normal. Obviously, Boston being down a little bit lower than we expected is the main surprise. But the eight playoff teams right now are Toronto, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Indiana, Detroit, Boston, Charlotte, and Orlando, with Brooklyn, Miami, and Washington below them. So if Washington keeps Wall and Beal, even though that organization seems like they're on fire, I think the Wizards could jump over the likes of Orlando and maybe Charlotte. If Kemba keeps balling out like this, though, I think Charlotte will hold a playoff spot. Um, Miami and Brooklyn could maybe make some noise, especially if Levert comes back. They could take that last eight seed. But 
most of those teams are pretty set in stone. There's nothing too surprising from that regard. But if you look out west, from the first seed to the 14th seed, there is four and a half games separating every team. The 14th team is the Utah Jazz, and the first team is the LA Clippers. What the fuck is going on in the West? This is kind of hilarious and kind of all over the place, but I'm all for it. I love the randomness of the night-to-night games meaning so much more in the regular season. We saw that happen with Denver and uh, Minnesota last year. It literally came down to the last game of the season to determine who was going to be in the playoffs. And as it looks right now, it might be a little bit like that this season as well. Um, Currently, the Rockets, Pelicans, Spurs, and aforementioned Jazz are outside the playoffs, and I expect all of them to jump back in, but that means that, how many did I say? One, two, three, four. So four teams have to drop out. So you wouldn't think the Thunder would drop out. You wouldn't think the Warriors would drop out. Probably not the Blazers. So there's three teams that will probably stay. The Nuggets, thin ice, but I think they'd hold on. The Lakers, well, there's five. So one of those teams has to drop out. And then you've got the Kings, the Grizzlies, and the league lead, the conference-leading Clippers at the moment. So... Memphis is actually in the third seed as well. So if Memphis and LA can stay hot and keep winning a few games, they might accidentally make the playoffs based on their early season wins. I think I wouldn't blame Memphis for trying to go for it, considering they've got Conley and Gasol kind of on their last legs. I thought it makes sense for them to trade them now, but the real game plan might be to trade them a year or two from now. Um, Jaron Jackson looks like a stud, so... If he can pan out, then they can bottom out and build someone else around him a few years from now. The Kings will probably inevitably slide a little bit, but they've been exciting and fun to watch. But yeah, the Clippers, I tell you what, I didn't see this coming. This usually at least like a very balanced team will have one type of all-star or one guy. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Kind of, I guess you could say a bit with Utah last year, like Donnie Mitchell was their guy. He was their scorer. He led them to success. But there's no guy really like that on the Clippers. You could say Lou Will and you could maybe say Tobias Harris, but there's no like standout all-star on the Clippers. So for me, I think Doc Rivers deserves Coach of the Year votes right now because he's at the current time of uh, recording this podcast. The Clippers have the third best record in the league behind the Bucks and Raptors. That's something that doesn't happen by accident. He deserves a ton of credit for being able... Doc Rivers, that is, deserves a ton of credit for being able to get the Clippers up to this spot after 20-ish games. So, well done, Doc. Let's see uh, how the next week or two unfolds. Because all of a sudden, if you're a team like the Nuggets or you're a team like the Pelicans or the Spurs, if you go on a 0-4 road trip or you go 1-6 and or you manage to go on these slides of games over a 10, 6, 7 game span, then it could come back to bite you in April when you want to be making the playoffs. So there really is an importance on night-to-night regular season performances, which is awesome because for years it sounded like the regular season hasn't even mattered. It still might not. Golden State's still sitting fourth without Steph Curry, and they still probably will win it all. But at least the regular season's now intriguing from some perspectives. Before I go, I'm going to quickly do birthday shout-outs. Huge batch of birthdays today, so let me dive right in. Sarah Highland and Kristen Heigl, two famous actresses who have birthdays today, so happy birthday to both of them. Uh, Jimmy Graham, the tight end for Green Bay Packers. Big Jimmy Graham fan. Happy birthday, mate. 
Billy Connolly, uh, Shane Bourne from Australia. Thank God you're here. Star, happy birthday to those guys. Russell Robertson, one of my favourite footballers as I was growing up. A bit underrated was Robbo. Couldn't do much apart from take a hanger and kick a snag and play the guitar. But I tell you what, he was uh, a big fan. I was a big fan at 16 years old of uh, Robbo. So happy birthday, mate. Uh, the aforementioned Ryan Fitzpatrick will get to spend his 36th from memory birthday uh, being mentioned as a candidate to drop from a fantasy football perspective on this episode. So happy birthday, Fitz. Uh, Leangelo Ball, arguably the least famous Ball brother. Actually, it's not arguably. He is the least famous Ball brother. Uh, celebrates turning 20-something today, so happy birthday. I don't even know how old he is. That's so funny. Um, and happy birthday to the legendary Oscar Robertson, who the walking triple-double will celebrate turning 80 today. It's a little bit of a shame that on FamousBirthdays.com, Leangelo Ball, who's 20, by the way, Leangelo Ball is the fifth highest person, with Oscar Robertson having to settle for 43rd on the list. So fix your shit, Famous Birthdays. That's not on. Uh, that's going to do it from another Sports Buy Fry episode. Thank you. Once again, for tuning in. Uh, if you like the episode, rating and reviews, muchly appreciated. You can check out all my content at sportsbyfright.com. Once I finish this podcast and uploaded it, I'm going to write my NFL MVP rankings. Um, spoiler alert, Drew Brees is number one. And then number two is a little bit uh, of an unpopular opinion. So watch this space. It'll be interesting to see how week 12 in the NFL unfolds. But thank you once again for listening. Until next time, peace.